Quixote and the Windmill by Paul Anderson. I'm John W. Michaels. A man capable of a million things is unhappy without a job, without a goal and purpose in life, but he is not necessarily unique. The first robot in the world came walking over green hills with sunlight to a flash of his polished metal hide. He walked with a rippling grace that was almost feline, and his tread fell noiselessly, but you could feel the ground vibrate every so faintly under the impact of that terrific mass, and the air held a subliminal quiver from the great engine that pulsed within him. Him. You could not think of the robot as neuter. He had the brutal maleness of a naval rifle or a blast furnace. All the smooth, silent elegance of a perfect design and construction did not hide the weight and strength of a two-and-a-half-meter height. His eyes glowed, as if with inner fires of smoldering atoms. They could see in any frequency range he selected. He could turn an X-ray beam on you and look you through and through with those terrible eyes with their sockets for extra lenses, when he needed microscopic or telescopic vision. And there were a few other small sensory and vocal orifices, but otherwise his head was a mask of shining metal, humanoid, but not human, man's creation, but more than man, the first independent, volitional, non-specialized machine. But they had dreamed of him long ago. He had once been the genie in the bottle, or the golem, Bacon's brazen head, or Frankenstein's monster, the man-transcending creature who could serve and destroy with equal contemptuous ease. He walked under a bright summer sky, over sunlit fields and through little groves that danced and whispered in the wind. The houses of men were scattered here and there, the houses which practically took care of themselves. Over beyond the horizon was one of the giant, almost automatic food factories. A few self-piloting car planes went quietly overhead. Humans were in sight, sun-browned men and their women and children, going about their various errands with loose, bright garments floating in the breeze. A few seemed to be at work. There was a colorist experimenting with a new chromatic harmony a composer sitting on his veranda striking notes out of an omniplayer, a group of engineers in a transparent walled laboratory testing some mechanisms. But with the standard work period what it was these days, most were engaged in recreation, a picnic, a dance under trees, a concert, a pair of lovers, a group of children in one of the immemorially ancient games of their age group. An old man happily hammocked with a book and a bottle of beer. The human race was taking it easy. They saw the robot go by, and often a silence fell as his tremendous shadow slipped past. His electronic detectors sensed the editing pulses that met nervousness, a faint unease. Oh. They trusted the cybernetics men. They didn't look for a devouring monster. They wondered. They felt man's old unsureness of the alien and unknown. Deep in their minds, they wondered what the robot was about. 
and what his new invincible race might mean to earth's dwellers. And perhaps, as his gleaming height receded over the hills, they laughed and forgot him. The robot went on. There were not many customers in the Casanova at this hour. After sunset the tavern would fill up, and the auto dispensers would be kept busy, for it had a good live talent show, and television was becoming unfashionable. But at the moment, only those who enjoyed the mid-afternoon glass, together with some serious drinkers, were present. The building stood alone on a high wooded ridge, surrounded by its gardens and a good-sized parking lot. Its colonnaded exterior was long and low and gracious. Inside it was cool and dim and fairly quiet, and the general air of decorum, due entirely to lack of patronage, would probably last until evening.